I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome to Farms Advice Agribusiness Podcast, the podcast for agribusinesses wanting to grow through finding the right opportunities and linking up with the right technology. We will be connecting you with the stories from across the sectors, leaving you with the tools and knowledge to implement into your own business. Follow us on our social media accounts at Farms Advice for further motivation to grow your enterprise. Welcome to the Farms Advice Agribusiness Podcast. On the, today's show, we're speaking with Sam Duncan from Farm Lab. How are you going, Sam? Hey, good, Jack. How are you? Yeah, excellent. Good to have you on board for the show today. Uh, bit of a different podcast of what we've done in the last few weeks, uh, looking towards the ag tech and specifically the soil management. Can you introduce us yourself and a bit of about Farm Lab? Yeah, sure. Sure thing, Jack. So uh, my name's Sam Duncan, uh, CEO and uh, co-founder of a company called FarmLab. Uh, we're an Australian-based company based out of Armidale um, and Sydney, and uh, we help people better manage their soil. Yeah, excellent. So for FarmLab, how did it start? Uh, I see you have a bit of a background from the Air Force, is it correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, a little bit of a, um, I guess... Bit of a unique background. Um, so, look, I'll, I'll talk about why we started Farm Lab in the first place, yeah. and then talk about what what led me to that. Um, you know, so we started in 2016 out of a fairly general, fairly broad realization that uh, you know, for us to um, be more sustainable uh, in in agriculture, then we needed to better capture and manage soil data, um, and that was uh, out of a few big issues we saw in the 
the information and soil data space, which was just that, you know, agronomists would take soil samples, write a report, give them to the client, and then that sample would sit in the top drawer, kind of be forgotten about, and um, uh, would never be sort of come back to. So so we, we thought, all right, well, how do we get around this? How do we uh, help, you know, really bring out some of the value of that of that data and that information. And you know, that, that's things like understanding the long-term impact of your, of your farming practices on soil carbon, you know, building soil carbon over time and understanding, uh, also understanding spatially what's happening uh, across your farm in terms of soil nutrients. And so uh, we started off in 2016, 2017, uh, we built a really basic mobile app. And the idea was, look, if we can provide a, Kind of like uber for soil testing um, if we can provide a really simple way for people to take a take and submit a sample to a lab um, you know the benefit for them is you know we, if we can do it simpler than the current method which is you know lots of paperwork and having to match your soil sample with the location and remember where you know re remember where you took it and and all that sort of stuff um, then we could create a uh, a nice neat solution that would um, allow us to build up some soil data over time and uh, we knew if we could start building soil data up for uh, for our users over time they could better use that information over over the long term um, so that's kind of where we started, really off that data data space. And then we started doing some work with the University of Sydney under the Soil Tech Project. And um, now that's, a, that's a Landcare funded Smart Farming Partnerships project um, that involves uh, ourselves, University of Sydney, Andrew Kosh AgTech and AgriVision Consultants. And the ro our role there is basically to digitise the soil science that's been sitting in um, uh, the University of Sydney kind of publications, hasn't really escaped those publications into the mainstream agricultural world and um, make them make it usable for um, uh, for growers and, and agronomists. So um, so that, that's adding a bit of a spatial context to that soil data piece. Um, and we were all about digitization and we realized that, well, you know, soil is a really spatial thing. You've got this you know, your soil differs, you know, <laughs> across the paddock, let alone, you know, you know, yeah, yeah. three, three centimetres away, right? Like, you know, yeah. it's such a variable thing. So we really need to, in understanding soil, we really need to understand the spatial variation of soil. And so we started working on, on that and incorporating some of the tools into, uh, into our platform as well. Yeah, excellent. So for like, in terms of your education, how did you get the jump across? into specifically soil and was that just an interest of yours or yeah 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 that's um that's a good one so um so you mentioned i guess so, so i came out of uni um and uh joined joined the air force straight away as a logistics officer so you know it, it was a bit um so a little bit different um i i'd never really had an agricultural background grew up in um new zealand and australia um you know went to lived in melbourne and then sort of Newcastle and Sydney for most of my life. So it was a bit of a, you know, really a bit of a city, city slicker. Um, yeah. Hadn't really been exposed that much. But uh, through my time in Air Force, and I think it was my time in Air Force that kind of gave me a bit of a passion for the environment and for soil. So, so yeah, joined, joined the Air Force back in 2006 as a logistics officer. Um, I sort of came out of uni with an arts degree, didn't really know what I wanted to do. And, and um, I mean, you know, quite topical now because arts has been cut massively by, uh, by government, which I 
personally think is a huge mistake, Jack. But um, yeah. we'll, we'll leave that to another <laughs> to another podcast. Um, and uh, and you know, I had this broad you know this broad skill set, and I thought, what am I going to do? And I always had a passion for entrepreneurship and technology, and I realised that um, Air Force would be a great place to start. So. Join the Air Force as a way to sort of hone, hone, hone in on those, um, those skills, in particular leadership, you know, understanding yeah. innovation and technology. And um, I got really involved and sort of went down that path in Air Force. So, you know, um, I think, you know, that was, uh, that was quite interesting. And then, you know, did a few things. So deployed overseas, um, deployed uh, a couple of, couple of times to the Middle East and to Africa. Um, and I think that was probably what gave me a bit of perspective, I guess, and um, sort of started, started me down the road of soil and the environment. Um, and that was mainly, mainly because, you know, uh, I think the, the seminal experience was um, when I was in South Sudan in 2012. And I got there, I was working part of the United Nations, uh, with the United Nations as part of the Australian contingent to the United Nations. And, um, and anyway, just a while, it was about a week after I arrived and um, sort of, it was just getting into sort of wet season, right? So we were sort of walking around, we lived in a, in a little muddy compound, um, the Australians, and we were surrounded. We were in a little suburb in a place called Juba, which is the capital of South Sudan. By that stage, it was the newest country in the world, but it was also one of the poorest, right? So you can imagine yeah. dirt roads most of the time, I think it were maybe you know, like 15 kilometres of, of paved roads throughout the city. So most of it was dirt. And um, all of a sudden it started to rain really, really heavily for the space of like, you know, two or three days. And we went outside and, um, you know, we, I, this was kind of my first first deployment, first real exposure to to this kind of thing. And and um, and it just, yeah, it, it just started flooding, right? So we had torrents of water and just the streets turned into streams and sort of went outside and we, we had a look next door. We were quite close to our neighbors next door and um, their place was absolutely flooded. They lived in a pretty much a mud hut and, you know, a sort of wooden fence and sort of grew some crops in the backyard. And I was just, um, we sort of went over and we started trying to shore up some of their walls so that the water wouldn't get in and flood. And, um, you know, we built a bit of a rapport over, you know, over the course of sort of six months with those guys. But, you know, throughout that time and getting to know them and sort of seeing their living conditions, I sort of came back to Australia with this real, you know, real sense of perspective. Like I realised how lucky we were, you know, we could go to the supermarket, we could buy food for, you know, pretty good prices. And we also, you know, we, did, we weren't at the, you know, really at the beck and will of the environment. We kind of kind of on top of things here in Australia and most first world countries are. And so when you start to introduce things like climate change and, and just the, the challenges that, you know, that we, we think we face in terms of, you know, bushfires and everything, um, they're intensified sort of 10 times when you go to, a, go to a developing country. And so really got me thinking about what I could do to, well, reduce the risk of climate change and, um, you know, mitigate some of that risk. And also, uh, you know, what we could do here in Australia using some of our own, you know, tools and techniques. And a lot of that came back to, well, you know, we have such a strong agricultural system and I was also sort of really passionate about agriculture and, and uh, the ability for soil to play a huge role in mitigating against climate change um, that we start, started looking down that path. And so that was back in 2012 and I mean, we didn't start Farm Lab until 2016. So there was still, it was kind of just the, I planted the seed, I guess, pun intended, um, back then that sort of evolved into what Farm Lab is today. Uh, but yeah, that, that really having that perspective and understanding of, you know, what, what happens, you know, we, we kind of live in this, we don't live in a bubble, but 
we do in a way. Um, we have it very well off here in Australia. So, you know, having those perspectives was really, I think, um, helpful in developing, you know, what, what eventually became FarmLab. It's definitely interesting. Like it's a different approach to what like most agricultural employees or business owners have. We're mostly coming up from agricultural background and then launching, taking over the farm or even just starting their own sort of business that relates with a product or services offering. Um, for that, it's good like that you're getting to see a different perspective from coming from the Air Force and then just bringing like your knowledge of leadership and being able to bring that through your farm lab for sure. So look, I think there's, there's probably pros and cons there, Jack. Like, I mean, not coming from an ag background, um, it's, it's probably taken a year or two longer than it should have just to learn the market and understand, understand agriculture. Right. Um, you know, this is, um, you know, that's been, that's been a real con and I think not, you know, I, and I actually, I have a real passion for, you know, regional entrepreneurs now. Um, you know, we were talking just before this about the smart region incubator and everything. And I think yeah. um, regional Australia and, you know, regional, regional cities around the world have a lot to offer um, the tech space because they, they innately understand some of those issues. So, yeah. So, so I don't, it's, it's good and bad. It's good and bad, I think. Um, but um, very much, very much on the side of regional Australia nowadays, um, especially living living in Armadale. You're based up in Armadale at the moment. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Armadale in, in New England, um, in northern New South Wales. So uh, often gets confused with with the inner city suburb of Armadale in Victoria. <laughs> yeah, when I first went to university, I looked up Armadale and it, Google took me into Melbourne. Yeah, I thought yep, that was a bit too right. far to go to uni, so. I know I went to school around the corner from from Armadale, and that was that was all I knew of Armadale before before I moved out here. We moved out here in 20, 2018, it would have been. So we've been here about two years now. Um, uh, to my wife got a got a job at UNE, and I figured it was a fantastic place to run an ag tech company as well. So that's hence why we sort of came ended up coming out here, and it's been it's been brilliant. Yeah, it's definitely, and a bit cheaper than what it would be to be living in Sydney and starting up a. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Look, we we like to think we have the best of both worlds, being an ag tech company based in both places. Uh, Sydney's Sydney houses our development team, and and Armadale houses our operations sort of marketing sales team. So we kind of have, you know, we're very customer focused at this end, and they're very you know development sort of product focused, and they can get lots and you know lots of development developers in Sydney, um, lots of talent, and um, you know lots of lots of lots of tech talent in particular. So. Drawing on that, and then we're, we're trying to we're actually trying to suck them back. Well, not suck them back, yeah, but yeah. Um, expose them a bit more to country life, so that they get a bit more exposure into to the industry we work in. But um, yeah, it's good. It's good little balance, I think. I think it's nice. It definitely gets them to know the ins and outs of how to work within the country, and just know for like their own knowledge as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's so right. for farm that been based in Armadale, for like anyone wanting to look into their own soil management um, and start collecting a bit of data on that. Where and how can they like get your services? Are you offering just New South Wales or? Yeah, so we work Australia wide and yep. really what we try and give people is a bit of a customized approach to their soil soil management 
system or process. Um, so, you know, we're, we're really about bringing technology to, to our users to help them take samples from, you know, take better samples from better, from locations. Um, the, the platform itself is, it's pretty straightforward. We, we do sort of three things. So first we help plan where to take samples from. So we bring in, so all the user has to do is draw their farm or upload a shape or KML file. Most, most of us have KML files of, um, of, of the boundaries of paddocks and farms. So you simply upload those. Um, we, we help with the first few instances just to provide a bit of training and a bit of, um, uh, I guess, um, helping our users understand the features that are, that are, that are there. Uh, and you can plan out where you take your samples from. And that's really important when it comes to managing soil because you don't, you don't just want to take a soil sample from anywhere in the paddock. You want to make sure that you're sampling across um, the distribution of soil. Uh, you're sampling for the right things as well. Um, in, you know, we don't want to waste money. We don't want people to waste money on soil sampling. So you know, being really targeted in, um, in, in, in some of those approaches is a really good, good thing and it saves money down the track. Um, and then we, once they've done all that, we've got a mobile app that helps guide people to those sample locations and then submit the samples to the labs. So we partner with three labs at the moment. Uh, we've got two and we're just onboarding another. Uh, APAL down in South Australia, uh, EAL up at Southern Cross University. And then uh, the third we're currently working on, working on onboarding is a horticultural based lab, uh, based lab for our horticultural growers called Agvita. And they're based in, uh, in Tassie. Um, so so our user can, users can submit samples pretty much paperlessly to any one of those labs. Um, you know, we're pretty proud of that. And I think the paperless thing is actually, uh, you know, it's, it's actually a pretty handy thing to have because rather than having to mess around with sort of paperwork in the paddock, you, you just simply, yeah. you know, throw the, throw the bag in the post, the soil sample in the post and send it off, hit submit in the app and it's all taken care of, right? Like technology, yeah, yeah. It's, should be, you should have done this for us 10 years ago. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Uh, and then, um, and then all, all the results get matched back. So there's no, no need for the user to then try and match up the soil test results with the locations that were sampled. It's all just done through, through the farm lab back end. So when we do the integrations with the labs, um, we onboard them to train them up to use our system, our lab portal, we call it. And then they, they, they send all the results back through there. It all gets mapped for the user. And then what that gives the user the ability to do is to, you know, for our agronomists and really agronomists, our, our, our I guess, core users, um, they can then categorize all their samples against all, the, all their clients and their farms. Uh, they can write reports um, or generate reports off the back of the soil management zones that we create and the sample, sample test results. And then use those to use, really use the system uh, for what we built it for, which is, you know, to digitize all, all of that data and have, have it all stored in one place. So that next year when they come back, they can, you know, they can look at the changes, look at the trend and, and start really helping, you know, helping growers manage soil over the long term, for the long term. Superb. So for like a farmer out in Warren, they're, they're a cropping enterprise, you'd be able to help them um, see where their deficiencies are? And then- yeah, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. We generally work with the uh, agronomist, um, the, soil, the soil tester. What we, what we find is that because, um, and this comes back to, I guess, our regional focus. Like we're, we're not here, we're not an ag tech company that's here to, take over the world and tell every single grower how to, how to, how to, 
how to farm, right? Um, rather, we see soil as very unique and specific to regions, to industries, um, you know, cropping versus pastures. They, you know, we have different soil management practices all around the place, and we should, right? So we... What we, what we try and do is really work with the agronomist who understands the, the regional, you know, the, the, the small little regional subtleties that go with that soil, um, you know, in managing wow. that soil and, and managing, you know, they, they, we find they understand the, their industry and their region the best. Um, so we, we generally, we're a, more of a tool for consultants and agronomists to support their services to, uh, to farmers and then um, to help them offer more competitive services cheaper um, at lower cost over the long run through that digitization aspect yeah excellent so for like for farmers do you see like resistance from farmers um throughout the onboarding phase or like just educating them more so initially and then getting them through um your program just so they can improve their own soil management or yeah yeah it's really good jack um you know, there's been a lot, been a lot of talk in the industry about uh, data and data privacy um, lately. Uh, so, you know, you're probably aware, but um, you know, recently, just last year, we had the whole Ag Force um, thing where we had uh, Great Barrier Reef, the Office of the Great Barrier Reef, come in and um, look at legislation, leg, leg, legislation around. Um, uh, farming practices up around the reef catchment areas and there's um, some, some new regulations that's just been rolled out around that and then we had um, some concerns around how farmers data were going to be used in relation to those um, to those new regulations by the government the government got their hands on it so ag force rightly or wrongly um, removed all of that data and, and deleted it uh, as a result because of those privacy concerns um, so since then, there's been there's been quite a lot of discussion around this. Uh, the National Farmers Federation have just released a um, new data uh, privacy principles, um, uh, uh, targeting ag tech companies to you know to help them um, basically to to provide to them to adhere to so that they could be then you know seen they could be eventually this thing will hopefully turn into a compliance measure. I'm hoping, but uh, in the in the interim, it's a way for um, the National Farmers Federation to tell ag tech companies what farmers are expecting in terms of what they do with their data, which I think is fantastic. And you know, as a data data focused company ourselves, we're um, we're very into data privacy. Uh, and I, I often use this analogy a bit, Jack. The way we sort of treat farmers' data uh, is kind of like um, we we see we see the soil, soil data kind of like uh, a blood test blood test results yep. right so you you go to the doctor your doctor takes takes a blood sample sends it to the pathology lab it would be the soil testing lab and in our case um the results come back to the doctor the doctor's the dirt doctor in the case of ag so it's the agronomist <laughs> um but then the agronomist applies their interpretation which is their ip and rightly so to those bloods to the blood test results which is the farmer's ip it came off came off their land and then um the two together you know provide the grower with a recommendation on what to do now we are a we you know we're a platform obviously we work with the the agronomist and the consultant to help streamline their processes but where we see that data sitting event is you know it's it's linked back into that farm the farm that was taken from so that you know if the grower wants to access it they can and um and they do. So we've got, um, you know, uh, quite, quite, quite a few times we've had uh, an agronomist 
provide uh, reports to their clients using, you know, using FarmLab, take samples using FarmLab. And then they've said, look, can you give access to this farmer that's their data? So we've provided access to the, um, to the farmer at the end of the day and they then own that, own that farm, own that data and own that account. Own that account. Um, I think one of the other things, and just on the on the, <laughs> the flip side of that, is um, we also don't share data outside of our own platform, and that's you know it's a big thing in ag, and you know we get the Facebooks of the world kind of you know trading trading off data and all that sort of stuff. Um, we kind of came into this uh, maybe it's the Air Force background um, with a lot, yeah. <laughs> a lot of sort of privacy in mind. You know we 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 like to store our you know we don't like we don't like to um, have have our data you know, shared or used outside of the platform. So we'll never trade and never, never trade our users data without their permission um, and without them explicitly, explicitly, explicitly knowing, knowing that, um, you know, I, I, I do hope that um, there are, there are ways in the future where, you know, perhaps farmers can be rewarded for, you know, for their data, um, be paid for, for any data, you know, not just within soil, but across all of ag tech, which, which I think would be re a really interesting thing to happen. Um, probably won't happen in the, in the short term, but maybe five, 10 years down the track, there might maybe these sorts of marketplaces out there to, so that farmers can actually get rewarded for um, people, you know, for, for selling and, you know, providing their data. Yeah, excellent. Um, for like looking at challenges that you have faced or what like farmers are looking at um, within soil management, what do you see this being within Australia or like just even your own region, like erosion or? Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Um, so, okay, so, so fundamentally, look, I think it's linking good practices, good long-term soil management practices to productivity. Um, we just don't do it. We just, you know, I think there are, there are a great, there's a growing group of farmers that are, are doing this more. You've got the re region ag groups that really understand the importance of long-term soil management. You've got, uh, you know, and you do have some edge cases that are really starting to focus on this. Um, but it's not, it's not really pervasive. It's not, it's not, not out there in the industry. And I think part of that is just that there's not enough information, you know, um, you know, you, we, we just haven't collected enough data on this to, to show people. And it's so regional as well. I mean, you know, um, you know, if you, if you collect data down in Victoria and you, you show that, you know, your practices have been really awesome and it's improved your soil fertility and re reduced inputs, that's great for, you know, maybe a low rainfall, sandy soil, but you take it up to, um, you know, North Queensland and your practices are going to change. Uh, going to be wildly different um, to get the same results so so there's a lot of challenges around that and it's just it's just getting convincing some people to be you know um, it's convincing people that uh, you know the, the, there are practices out there that will support long-term sustainability of soil and long-term um, management of the land so that we can all be better stewards of the land um, I think that's 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 a major challenge. So I'll give you I'll give you an example of um, up here in New England, right, Jack? So we've just yeah. been through you know one of the most severe droughts on recorded uh, in recorded history here in Australia. Um, uh, it's been uh, it's been absolutely abysmal. Um, around New England, we have um, just dri driving around and, and going out to some of the farms. It's been really obvious who who has managed soil really well and who's done it really really poorly. So. You know, when I talk poor management, we're talking sort of not destocking um, in time, really not even destocking when you knew you were in the middle of a drought and mm. just, just you know, 
really overgrazing. And that's um, that's that's done. And you go around and you can see it on the you know some of the some of the hillsides around here and some of the um, some of the paddocks. Irreparable damage that that we won't see repaired in our generation. Right? These this is due to due to things like erosion, um, you know, and uh, and compaction and uh, the loss of the loss of nutrients and, and and everything. It's been it's been a real challenge. And I think that the part of that is you know not just you know, not just convincing people of the, the need to uh, manage soil better in the, over the long term, but also linking it probably to the financial aspect of the farm operation over the long term. Um, I've spoken a lot about today about, you know, better soil management, but really better soil management should go hand in hand with better farm management, right? We should have, if we're managing our soil really well, um, well, we should have, um, you know, we should be, seeing increased profitability across our farm operation um not talking over the course of just 12 months but over five years seven years ten years we should start to see these things so um you know so that's been a major challenge but i think the solution is really you know it's digitization let's get bring that that soil data into the mix mix it up with some operations and farm operation farm management data and some farm financials and help uh, help people understand the, the benefit of um better soil management it's just a bit about getting the word out there and just if anyone's going to take anything away from this podcast it's just that they need to be looking into their soil management um and just starting to poke around just to see how they can improve uh, whether that's with farm lab um or not that, but that that's right and, and that's i mean that's one of the things we do a lot right we, we do a lot of outreach on social media and you know i know, I know that, that's how how we met jack yep. <laughs> for next uh ex, ex, you're an ex UNE guy as well which is good to have the connection but i mean really we're not we're not here to um <laughs> say this all the time like you know if we, if we wanted to be a um you know a billion dollar tech company we wouldn't have gone into Ag tech, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know. So if we, but if we can, if we can make a difference, if we can get more people to think about their soil and um, you know just to, to better manage it, whether it be through using our product or or through the you know through the education materials we put out there, that's that's success for us. We're, we're um, you know we're very big on that, and um, and that's why you know we're always happy to talk and and we we really like working with. Um, with people um, who have those those outputs, because it gives us something to share and something to um, you know sort of a you know shared vision to and mission to to work on together. So yeah, 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 of course. So for Farm Lab, um, like your ideal clients, how long? Like people want to see results quite quickly. I know within ag it can be drawn out, but how long would you expect? Like once you do have an effective soil management plan for your own property. How long would you start seeing a bit of benefits either from like you're spreading lime and you're saving costs on there, but like your soil actually seeing true benefits? Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, sort of touched on it. There's short term, long term benefits, right? So, short term, yep. um, you know, yeah, we, we, we do under, undersell this a little bit, but short term, the benefit of managing your soil better is just lower cost inputs. Um, know by applying lime to where it needs to be applied rather than across the entire paddock um, same mm. with nitrogen fertilizer for cropping systems as well um, then you know you're going to save a whole bunch of money uh, now there is a risk piece attached to that obviously if you're not applying nitrogen uh, and we and and you get it wrong or you get the weather wrong um, and you don't 
buy as much. Um, you may not end up with as much yield um, as otherwise. But you know, we're at the stage now where you know it's twenty twenty people. We we have a pretty good idea <laughs> on some of our models and methods. Uh, we work very closely with the University of Sydney as well, so um, the science is is reasonably sound and solid around um, at least at least what we recommend. And if you saw at the end of the day, if you saw a test in the right place. Um, you can use that along with some of the spatial management zones to really um, to, to reduce the amount of fertilizer and, and not increase the risk. Um, I spent, um, you know, just as an aside, we spent, um, I spent just before COVID hit uh, a couple of weeks up in the Great Barrier Reef with um, FertCare, so for the sustainable fertilizer uh, arm of Fertilizer Australia. Um, and we were there to talk uh, to agronomists about the new Great Barrier Reef regulations and just some of the requirements. And, and you know, the, these things were, it, it, they weren't rocket science, but they were also saving, you know, quite a bit of, um, quite a bit of money. Like, I mean, if you can, if you can just reduce the amount that, um, if, you can, if you can better match your inputs to your soil, for example, so, you know, measuring in the right yeah. place, getting the right soil test results because you've measured in the right places, you can save, save bucket loads. And um, you stack that up over the course of years and it's, it's not just, you know, when, when you're saving, you know, you are saving a substantial amount in, uh, in fertilizer input costs. Um, uh, so, so that's really important. And then obviously the, the, uh, the long-term piece there is the, we're, we're flushing less fertilizer into the reef. And then in other systems where, um, you know, there's less, uh, less greenhouse gas emissions because, you know, nitrogen fertilizer is 298 times more potent than CO2. So we use less and we produce less and we don't put as much into the, um, uh, into the atmosphere as well. Uh, so, so look, it's win-win-win. But a lot of the growers we work with know this, and and you know, a lot, a lot of them are sort of pushing us for more, for more features in this space. So it's not it's not something we we generally go on too much about our customers, but it, with our customers. But the the advantage, um, you know, the advantages are there certainly in the short term and um, and definitely in the long term. Um, one of the one of the other the other long term advantages we're currently exploring is also um, you know adding to the to the value of the farm itself the farm assets so you know we are involved in you know a few projects right now uh, in the natural capital space that are looking at all right well how do we quantify the value of soil and the, the value you know if, if if a grower manages their soil well over the course of 10, 15, 20 years, what does that do to the farm's profitability? And as a farm, as, as the asset itself, you know, how much does that increase the value of an asset? Um, and um, that's also really interesting, something really, really interesting to think about. I mean, you wouldn't go into your house, I mean, <laughs> you know, put, pull, pull up the carpet and then just start, you know, you know, smashing yeah. the place yeah. to crap and then sell it and want to sell it for more and still want to sell it for more in 10 years time. Um, well, you might, you might've, you might've recently, the Sydney property markets have been pretty forgiving, yeah. but, uh, but, but, but I, I don't think anymore. Um, so why, why would you do the same with your land? Like it, it just doesn't make sense um, from an economic perspective. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, for anyone wanting to get in touch with farm lab, um, I would advise to do so just to see how you can improve your own soil management uh, wherever you're working, if you're cropping or a bit of pasture. Um, actually, Sam, for pasture, like improved pastures, have you worked with a few clients there? Because that's a big one coming up. Um, for yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. We, we probably have, it's probably 50-50 for us right now. So we're probably 50% pastures, 50% cropping, well, maybe 40-40, 20 yeah, horticulture yeah. at the moment. So, you know, pastures, pastures are big because, you know, we, we're generally deal, dealing with a lot of land and, you know, the platform with the tools that we've got, you know, really help you spatially manage that land um, and quite well. So we're doing a lot, um, a lot of the soil moisture space and pastures, um, as well as the soil carbon space, uh, working with a few regenerative ag farmers to um, to help quantify their soil improvement over time and um, and uh, improve their pastures. Now, obviously, being in Armadale as well, New England, it's um, it's pretty much grazing country up here. So we do, uh, yeah, yeah we, we certainly have a big focus on pastures up here. Yeah, excellent. So doing a bit of a backflip for like yourself starting up a startup within ag tech. Um, how have you like delivered your products and how are you finding your like ideal clients? Yeah. Uh, yeah. G- good question. So I sort of mentioned earlier that we focus a lot, we, we try and be very, we're very personable. Um, yep. We try and work quite closely with, with our customers. It's just, you know, it's just as a result of being a, a relatively small company um, today, we can afford to spend a bit of time on, on our customers. Um, it's, can be can be a little bit of a, a a complex product just getting into it. So we like to yeah. you know work with our, with our customers because it also helps us you know figure out what we should do, what we can do better, and um, what we can make make easier. Um, we do have a lot of outreach. I think you mentioned on social media as well. Um, you know we were sort of talking about that earlier, and that's sort of the um, the other I guess outreach sort of marketing channel we use. Do a lot of Twitter and LinkedIn in particular. Yeah. Um, helping to stimulate some of those conversations um be a bit topical when it comes to soil soil management in particular um yeah so that's those have kind of been our main channels i think um see before before covid hit we were doing a lot of conferences and going to a lot of ag tech things um it's sort of slowed down now um but we did replace a lot of that with some webinars and we'll be kickstarting the webinars again over the next few weeks um those are more information to the webinars we try keep them fairly agnostic. Obviously we use FarmLab to show people things, but they're more about yeah. how to manage soil and how to, you know, how to get the most out of, um, uh, out of the tools, but also just informa- information and, and um, general advice around soil testing and planning pra- practices and procedures there as well. Yeah, just to provoke the conversation when they head on back home and like they don't lose the idea that they can improve their soil. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So Sam, it's been, Excellent to have you on board for the Farms Advice Agribusiness Podcast. For yourself, is there any like important question that you think that we haven't covered that you'd like to? Uh, I think we've done a pretty good job, Jack. I think. <laughs> uh, look, I, I don't think there's anything else um, uh, I, I can think of. Um, you know, I, I certainly, um, you know, just wouldn't underestimate the value of uh, our soil. That's, yeah, definitely. Um, it's been really good for myself as well. I haven't really talked to you too much before this, um, but to dive in deep with a bit of soil management is always good. Um, and good word of mouth for yourself for farmers looking to get into that aspect of things or to keep continuing on. Um, so for Farms Advice Agribusiness Podcast, who would you like to hear on here next and why? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, you can just say an industry uh, or yeah, like yeah, a, 
No, so I'll be specific. We've been very focused on soil carbon. I've spoken yep. about it um, quite a bit today, and there's um, you know there's quite a quite a bit of importance there. I I'm big fans. Um, I've never met them myself, um, but uh, Charles Massey and Dr. Christine Jones. They're some of the big wigs in the um, really the 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 good soil management um, space. And so they do a lot of work in regenerative, regenerative ag, but they also, you know, really um, have a lot of good advice for improving soil carbon. Um, yeah. They're sort of high on, high on my, high on my list to, uh, to talk to. <laughs> Excellent. They just moved up on my list too. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So Dr. Christine Jones, I think she's over in WA maybe and Charles Massey, I think he's based in, um, in Canberra. Um, but two, I'd say pioneers in the soil carbon space for sure. Yeah, excellent. Have to get in touch. So thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. For anyone wanting to contact you, uh, do you have a social media handle and or your of website? Of course. We're very, uh, very, overhead, very, very on social media. So um, you can find us at uh, Get Farm Lab. So Farm Lab get it get farm lab um on twitter linkedin facebook uh wherever wherever there is social media (laughs) Uh, um, you're also welcome we've got our phone number on the website and you can send us an email to info at farmlab.com.au usually i'll reply directly to you so if you have any questions you want to know more about us um you want to give it a go uh we we have a free account that you can just jump straight into on farm lab as well so you can register up to four farms and take many samples as you want across those farms and do whatever you want so if you're a grower you get to use it for free how good um uh, if you're an agronomist then yeah first of all farms um, completely free so uh give it a go get in touch if you get any other questions and um it's been been great talking to you to, to you jack excellent sam thanks for joining us on the podcast today my pleasure Thank you for listening to the Farms Advice podcast. I hope that we can help you fill in the gaps of your business to help you grow into the future. If you'd like to get in touch, see how we can grow your agribusiness, please visit us at farmsadvice.com.au. Please share this podcast with your colleagues, friends and family to help us find the right audience to improve Australian agribusiness. Hope to see you next time. Cheers. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.